Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Brenda here. I'm happy to be with you here this morning online as we continue in our series in Ephesians. And I'm jumping back into that big chunk of scripture um, that we talked about before Easter, which is kind of between the middle of Ephesians 4 and the middle of Ephesians 5. In most of your Bibles, it's probably labeled children of the light or something about spiritual maturity. And this is the point in Ephesians where Paul starts to take a really practical turn and starts to unpack what it means when we understand our identity in Christ, when we understand how much we are loved by Him. He now starts to unpack some really practical things. And today, I'm going to be talking about desires. All throughout the New Testament, we see references to our own desires as being selfish and sinful, sometimes even evil. And as we're going to read in just a second, Paul refers to them as deceitful desires. And these desires of our own heart have the propensity, I guess, to lead us astray. And so we're going to dig into this today. What actually is desire? Where did it come from? Why did God wire us and create us with desire inside of us if it was only going to lead us astray? And what can we actually do to keep our desires on track? So let's dive into the scripture this morning. We are going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and start reading in verse 20. Here Paul says, This is not the way you came to know Christ. Surely you heard of him and were taught by him in keeping with the truth that is in Jesus. To put off your former way of life, your old life, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, this is similar language that we see Paul use. He uses it in Romans, around Romans 5, 6, and 7. He uses it in other parts of his writings and books to us. This idea of having an old self that we need to um, actively put off or throw away, he uses sometimes. Throw that off and begin to put on the new life in Christ. And so while we have the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin and leads us into truth and is constantly our guide in this life, there's a part that we play in partnership with the Holy Spirit to actually actively apply the teachings of God and walk them out in our everyday life. And that is our part to play in throwing off the old life, right? We talked about this again back before Easter. You can go back and listen to that message if you want to. But I talked about the fact that we have been formed in this world. Our thoughts, our perspectives, our desires that we're going to talk about today, our emotional life, all of this stuff was formed primarily outside of the kingdom of God and the will of God. 
And so as we take on the character of Christ, as we become more and more like Christ, there's going to be less and less room for those things that are corrupted and evil and of this world. And we actually need to begin to realize that they're there, recognize them for what they are, and get them out of our lives. Now, Ephesians was written to believers. It was written to a church. And so he's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to people outside of the church who are coming in and getting saved and saying, okay, at this moment of salvation, throw off your old life. That's not how it works. He's actually talking to believers in the church who have been living sort of this double standard. They're in the church, they're calling themselves followers of Christ, but they're living immature lives. They're not growing to be like Christ. And so his encouragement to them is, okay, let's put this into action. Let's begin to do and apply this stuff in our lives. So we're going to look at our deceitful desires. And the first thing that I want to say today is that desire itself is not the problem. It's okay to have desires. What are desires? They are things that we set our affection or one of the terms the Bible uses is your mind's eye. It's like the eyes of your heart even that there are things that we look upon and we desire them. And it's okay to actually have desires. We're going to look a little bit later. God has desires. We are created in his image and we are created with the capacity inside of us to desire, to passionately desire certain things. But we have to be really careful about what it is that we are desiring. This is where in Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, and we all know this scripture, if you've been in church any amount of time, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So desire, what's going on inside of our heart, what we desire in our heart is always going to move us to action. It's actually our desires, the things that we long for, that we start to actually plan how we're going to carry them out. We're going to plan how we're going to get that thing, right? We set our attention on that really cute pair of $200 shoes, and then we start actively putting the money away so we can buy them. Not that I would know anything about that. I've never done that. Maybe you do, um, not me. Um, but sometimes we set our desire on certain things, and then we actually make a plan of action to make it happen. Why? Because desire goes so deep inside of our hearts. We actually yearn for things. And whether it's a new pair of shoes or it's someone else's spouse or, you know, the Bible talks really plainly about this kind of stuff. We can begin to lust after things in this world that aren't good for us to have at all. And so if our desires are not lined up with God, if our heart is not in a place where it's soft and surrendered, if we are not actively applying the word of God every single day, our desires can lead us astray. So desire itself is not the problem. The problem is being led away by deceitful or selfish desires and search to have them fulfilled outside of total dependence on God. That is exactly what we were designed for. Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden in total dependence on God. He put everything they needed into place for them. 
and they fully depended on him for all wisdom and knowledge, for everything they needed to know, for how to run the garden, for how to live with each other. He walked and talked with them every day. It was the, the in relationship with that, with him, they had everything that they needed. He fulfilled every need. And this is sort of the tragedy. James 1, verse 13 to 15 says this. When we are tempted, one should, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone else. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown gives birth to death. So we see that there's a progression here. Sin begins as a desire. It begins as a desire in our heart for something outside of the will of God for our lives. And if we're not really sure what that could be, we are deceived easily. Eve was deceived in the garden. What the serpent offered her was wisdom outside of full dependence on God. He said, you'll have wisdom for yourself. God knows that. You'll know the difference between good and evil for yourself. You won't have to go and ask God anymore. You won't need to be dependent on him. You'll have it for yourself. You can be independent in this area. Independence doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. It's actually a kingdom of interdependence. We depend on God and we depend on one another. That's how the kingdom of God is set up and wired to be. And everything in this world is about being independent. Everything in this world is about you, do you, you be you. That's okay. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to do anything with that. You know, I'll just accept you as you are. You do your own thing. That, that is just nonsense in the kingdom of God. We are interdependent creatures. We need God and we need each other. And we are tempted and led astray by our own desires. That's why we need God and we need each other to keep us on track, to have people who can speak into our lives, to keep us going and to keep us centered and focused on God. We need others. We need each other. The enemy um, tempted Adam and Eve to fulfill their own desires outside of total dependence on God. And this is the tragedy of the fall, that while disobedience separated us from God, it did not remove the longing and desire He placed in us that is meant to be fulfilled by Him. So we're created with desire that's meant to be filled by God, but we've been separated from the source of true fulfillment. This is the tragedy of the fall of mankind. When you sit back and think about it for a moment, your heart, all of the desires of your heart were meant to be filled by God, but sin separated us from God. And so we have ever since then been searching for our lives to be fulfilled in other things. We can be fully satisfied and rest and have complete contentment in life, in the presence of God, in the middle of his love. When he fills us with his love, that's the place where rest and contentment and joy 
That's, that's that place of all of that, even though there's storms in our world, even though there's stuff going on around us, we can be in complete joy all of the time if we're centered in the love of God. And that is the main thing in our life. But as soon as we begin to look to be fulfilled in other things, and that's easy for us. It happened to the Israelites almost immediately after they left Egypt. Moses goes away for a few moments, a few days. He was gone for a few days up on the top of the mountain. And they were like, we're lost. We don't have anything anymore. So they make a calf. They immediately turned their affection and their desire towards something else. It's tragic. And we do this all of the time. Love by its very nature cannot be forced. So as painful as it must have been and disheartening as it must have been, God had to release us. And in Romans 1, it says he gave us over to our own desires. He couldn't force us to stand under his love. He couldn't force us to allow ourselves to be filled with his love. So instead, he gave us over to our desires and our desires ruined us. It was only a couple of chapters later at the beginning of the flood where it says God looked on the earth and he saw what sin had done to the heart of man and it broke his heart. God's heart is broken for the sin that is breaking you. It breaks him every time we look for fulfillment and, and fulfill our own desires outside of his will and outside of his love. We hurt ourselves and we end up hurting other people. That's not what he wants for us. His desires are for us. We're gonna look at that in a little bit. Our will that is free to choose God's love often leads us to choose to be filled elsewhere. We make this choice all of the time. So we have been searching for something that will fill our longings. Psalm 145, 16, David said this, You, Lord, open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. David's heart was soft and surrendered before the Lord. He knew what God's love was all about. And he could see that God longed to fulfill the desires of every living thing. He could see that so clearly. There are people way smarter than me who have come up with this list of five essential core longings of the human heart. These are desires of the human heart, things that we actually need in order to be fulfilled in life, to feel satisfied, to be successful as we grow up and go into the world and to live a life that is well-rounded. We need these five things. I'm gonna list them off for you. If you're taking notes, this is the time to start writing down. So core need number one is safety and security. So each one of us needs to know that our basic needs in life are going to be met and that we have a safe environment that we can thrive in. But many people grew up in an environment that wasn't safe at all. And our, our parents who were broken in their own way, searching for God, in their own way, longing for him to fill them in their own way, modeled for us a kind of love that was probably a little bit off, a little bit disjointed and a little bit broken. And so for many people, the idea of safety and security is a difficult one. And so we look to money. 
um, to try to give us a sense of security in this world because if we have money, we'll be all right, right? So we're always looking for a better job and more pay and putting money away. And am I going to be okay in my retirement? Because we want that security that we feel like money will give us. And while God wants you to have money and he wants you to have everything that you need, his desire is seek first my kingdom and I will give you everything that you need. Seek me first, my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll make sure all of those other things are added to you. You don't have to make your own life secure because what happens is when we do and those things start to fall apart, our security in this world, if safety and security is your thing, man, this has been a hard year for you. I understand that because all of our, our, our um, security nets, all of those things that we have in place in our life have just vanished in the last year. We don't know what's coming. There's no stability in life anymore. But we don't look to things outside of God himself for our safety and security in this life. He's meant to fulfill that. The second thing is significance. We all need to have this deep sense of personal worth. We need to be significant in our world. God created Adam and Eve mankind, and he gave them a place of significance in the garden. They were above all the other created things. We need to know that we have a sense of worth in this world, but we often end up looking for it in clinging to the acceptance of others. We become approval addicts. We want other people to give us praise and accolades because we want to know that we've done a good job, right? We want to add a boy. Uh, we want to pat on the back. And we're looking for significance in other people who are never meant to give it to us. Our significance is in Christ alone. He gives us everything we need. He has a unique, significant purpose for you. He says that you are his treasured possession. In him, you will find all the significance that you need. Outside of him, you'll be looking to fill that void forever. The third one is belonging. We were meant um, to actually have this desire to be included in and enjoy community with other people. As I said earlier, we are not independent creatures and the kingdom of God is an interdependent kingdom. We are meant to be in community with each other. That's why he calls us a family. That's why he calls us a community. That's why he calls us a body. Things that are very interconnected together. He wants us to know that we can't actually live without each other. We shouldn't be living without each other. And the problem is, is that we want what we want and we often follow our selfishness and avoid the deep conversations and the hard conversations that are needed to have true and authentic community. And so we walk away from friends and families. We walk away from our marriages. We walk away from our churches because we're unwilling to live this interdependent life. We want what we want, and so we, we follow our own desire. Rather than laying our life down and doing what the Bible says to do, which is to forgive one another, to love one another, to extend grace and mercy to one another, to serve one another. There's almost 60 one another statements in the New Testament alone that are all about how to live life together, interdependent on other people. I feel like we don't have the luxury to walk away. What God is asking us to do is to lean in 
and to use biblical principles to walk through any confrontation and stuff that comes up. You know what? Stuff usually comes up in relationships because of our own selfish desires. And if we're aware of this stuff and we're able to look at the situation and, and, and actually admit that we were wrong and actually walk in forgiveness and kindness with each other, we could actually live in community that would blow the world away with our love for one another. The fourth thing is understanding. We were meant to be fully seen and understood by other people. And we all desire this, right? That someone else would look at our life, that they would see us for who we really are, past all of the things that we hide, past all of the things that we kind of don't want people to see, past all the walls that we put up. We want someone to understand who we are at the core of our being, to love us and accept us for who we are. We need understanding in this world. And often we trade that off as well. In our own selfish way, we disconnect ourselves from people and we lean into independence. Well, I'm different from everybody else and you need to just accept me the way that I am. Rather than actually leaning in, into community where we belong and can kind of hold hands together and link arms and do something together. We often criticize and alienate people instead of embracing them. That's not the heart of God. The fifth thing that we all desire and seek in life is purpose. We seek to fulfill a unique purpose in this world and contribute to the greater good, right? We want our lives to matter. We want to have a purpose, but often that is misguided and misplaced in this world by personal success and building a career and uh, having positions and achievements and all of that kind of stuff becomes our purpose in life. Instead of being a reflection of the love and heart of God, that's the purpose he called us to. He gave mankind, Adam and Eve, again, back to the garden. He gave them a specific purpose to rule and reign on earth, to carry his kingdom. It was their assignment and it's our assignment too, to carry the kingdom of God in our lives. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom of interdependence and it's a kingdom of love where we are able to receive his love, actually to perceive it in the world around us. We are able to see his love in everything, receive that love and then release that love to others. And that's why John said, they'll know us by our love. They'll know you're a follower of Jesus. They'll know you're a disciple by your love. Could you imagine a church that has actually lives in such selfless love that it would be a light to the world? Amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just live like that? So we continue this search for these five things that is never truly satisfied. That pursuit only leads us to shame, disappointment, isolation, fear, depression, destruction, and ultimately death. It is a downward spiral whenever we follow our own desires, always. God's call to his people has always been all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, through the entire story of the Bible. God's call to his people has always been come back to me. Come back to my heart. Realign yourself with my desires 
for you. Realign yourself with my kindness and my faithfulness and my unfailing love. He said this over and over throughout the the Old Testament. It's my kindness and unfailing love for you. I invite you back. I don't care what you've done or where you've been. I don't care how much you've sought your own desires. I don't care where you've gone to try to get that filled. Just come back to me and let me fill you. Let me fill you with my love. Let my love be the thing that that actually fills you up and you can live in this world as a loved child of God. That's your identity. That is who you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. The only way to redirect the misplaced desires of our heart is a greater revelation of God's love. That's what we need. We are beloved children and heirs of all his promises. He longs to pour out his love on us. And his great love begins to reveal and displace all of our selfish ways within us. And as he does, as he begins to reveal um, our selfish ways, as he begins to reveal, no, that, that search that you have, that thing that you have your heart so passionately and, and affectionately set on, that's not of me. As, as that's revealed, it's an opportunity for us to actually throw off our old life, our old way of thinking, our old way of doing things, and realign ourselves with the desires of God's heart. And when you begin to know what it really means to be loved by God, then His desires become our own desires. And we pick up His desires and His heart of love for the world. And our call to other people is come, come and be filled by the Lord. You have no idea that you're even searching for all of this, these things in other places. You have no idea that the desires of your heart are leading you astray. Come, come and be filled by the Lord. Let him fill you and, and let all of the other stuff go away. When we begin to pick up God's heart of love for the world, God has desires too. And his desires are for us and they are for our good. And he desires, it says in scripture, he desires that every person would come to the saving knowledge of him, that every person would know Christ and have eternal life. That begins to be something that our heart picks up to, a desire of our heart, a longing of our heart. The more we're filled with the love of God, the more we want other people to experience it. God desires righteousness and justice. Those are things that are heavy on our hearts. We want those things too, but we will only find them surrendered to his will in his ways. The Bible says that God desires obedience over sacrifice, or um, he says it a couple of different ways in the word, but, but the idea there is that he'd rather us be obedient to his word and his way in the first place than to do things our own way and then have to come back and say we're sorry because we've the damage has already been done. We've already hurt ourselves. We've already hurt other people at that point. He would prefer that we walk in obedience. His desire is that we would walk in obedience because that is a desire for our good. It's not the desire for him to be some great taskmaster, taskmaster <laughs> hanging over us, trying to control and dictate every 
every moment of our lives, the heart of that is that obedience is for our good. Obedience is good for us. So he desires it for us. The Bible says he desires um, to ex- that his love and kindness would be expressed out of our lives towards others. That's a desire of God, I believe. And the Bible also says that faith pleases God. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Faith doesn't please God in the same way that good behavior pleases our parents or good grades please our teacher or doing a good job at work will please our boss. And I think we often think of it that way, that if I could just you know, walk in faith more, God would be more pleased with me. That's not the point of that at all. Faith pleases the heart of God because faith is what opens the door and releases his blessings into our life. When we believe that he actually loves us and we believe it and we actually begin to take that in, it changes things for us. That's why it pleases God because it's good for us. It's good for us to have faith. He wants to actually show us the depths of his love. And when we have faith and we trust him and we allow him in and we allow him to shower his love on us, it changes us. And he wants that for us. It would be easy for people to trust God if our love as followers was so pure and so selfless that it would stand out as something completely different and incredible in our broken world. And again, this message over and over, you can read just First John even. He talks so much about the fact that we are interconnected and that our love for others is what reveals and shows the love of God to the world. This is an important thing, that we pick up the heart of God, that we carry his desires into the world around us. First John 2, 15 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away. But whatever, sorry, whoever does the will of God lives forever. When we are filled to overflowing with God's love, our desires begin to change. They begin to become God's desires. And we begin to desire the things that are on God's heart that we were just talking about. We pick up the heart of God and we carry that into our world. We carry that into our families and our homes and our workplaces. And we begin to love people the way God loves them. Do you know what? When you get to heaven and you actually stand face to face with Jesus and you look into his eyes, I honestly believe it's going to be familiar to you because you've seen the twinkle of his eye in someone who loved you, a mentor, a friend who spoke the word of God into your life, someone who loved you and told you the gospel of the kingdom of God. You've seen a reflection of him in the people around you. That is such a beautiful thing. That is what the kingdom of God is. And that is what we are called to do. We begin to to, to desire ourselves that people will be saved. We begin to walk in obedience and any misstep brings us right back to our knees in repentance because we desire to be obedient to God. We desire to do what is right more than anything else. 
We desire the fullness of God to be revealed in and through us. We desire peace in our relationships and we will seek it and go after it at all costs. It doesn't matter if it makes me look bad. I couldn't care less. I want peace in my relationships. We desire to live in authentic, real community. We're willing to go to the hard places and have the hard conversations so we can stay interconnected in the community of God. And we desire to show others God's love and to serve others. All those one another statements, again, from the New Testament. Forgive others, love others, serve others, take care of others, have kindness towards others. One of the biggest barriers to this message and the, the shift in our desires and the sh seeing a shift in our lives, one of the biggest barriers I see to this all of the time is that people say they just don't have time. They feel like it's gonna take hours and hours and hours in the presence of God. Like, you know, I don't know, maybe pastors think, or people think that's what pastors do, just spend all day, you know, in a, in a closed closet room in the presence of God. That's not exactly how it works. I'm with people all of the time. I have appointments, you know, one after the other. I'm talking to people. I'm exhausted at the end of my day, just like you are. And I've got a lot on my plate, but I set aside time every single morning. And it's not, that's not my Bible reading. It's not my devotional time. It's not even my prayer time. I set aside time every single morning to sit in silence and allow God to love me because that is the most important thing to me. And if you say you don't have time for that, you don't have time to not do that because not doing that is leading us in the wrong direction. Not doing that is leading us astray. So for the first few moments of my day, I sit in silence and I think about the love of God. I think about the words of the psalmist that said, you know, who am I that you are mindful of me? God, I am aware in this moment that you are thinking of me, that your love and affection and desire is towards me. Those are overwhelming thoughts. I reiterate again that I am your beloved child. I know that I am your child and an heir of your promises. Will you teach me what it means to be loved by you? Will you pour your love into my life so that I can pour it out on others? And that is the place where my desire shifts. That is the place where I realign with God. And, you know, Bible reading and prayer and all of that is really important. And those things are a part of my day and a part of my study and my everyday life as a Christian. But those times of solitude where I am aware of the presence of God and aware of His love for me are the times that have shifted everything for me. We need to make time in our lives to be aware of God's love and to receive his love into our hearts. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna like dare you and challenge you today. Would you set aside, just try 10 minutes. I know you're busy. I know you've got kids. You've got all kinds of stuff going on in your life. Would you set aside 10 minutes? Nothing is gonna change if we don't change our priorities. It's a priority to spend time with God. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Would you take 10 minutes at the beginning of every day of this week and just even just say the simple thing, God, I'm aware that you're aware of me. 
I'm present in this moment. I'm not thinking about my day. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm not worried. I'm not fearful. I'm still in your presence. And I'm just centered on this thought that you are mindful of me, that your affection is turned towards me. And just receive his love for a few minutes at the beginning of every day. I guarantee it will change you. It will allow you to see your own life differently and others differently. And I feel like we need to be better at this and get better at this, at learning how to receive God's love so that we can walk out into our world with peace and rest and contentment, um, no fear, no worry of the future, just knowing I've, I've been with God in this present moment, in this day, and I know that he is here for me. He loves me. He is with me. His love has, has you know how the Bible says, it's like shone abroad in our hearts. He wants to do that for you. Would you make the space and time and allow him to do it? I just want to pray over you in the last moments here. I'm just going to pray that as you spend that time this week, whatever time that you can set aside, honestly, the first thing in the morning is the best because it sets the tone for the rest of your day. And if you leave it until the night, it's harder to get yourself into that space because there's already so much stuff going on in your mind. If you can do it right away first thing when you wake up, it's the best thing, honestly. I A few years ago, if you told me that, I would have said, no way, I don't like getting up early in the morning. But once I started to do it, I feel like I have more time in my day. I have more peace as I go about the, the many things I have to do in a day. And I have a greater capacity to carry all of the things I have to carry because I understand how much God loves me and how much he is with me and walking with me in every single moment. So let me pray for you. Father God, I just thank you in this moment for your presence. I pray that every person watching this, as, I, as I'm even just praying these words right now, that they would feel your presence. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to reveal God's love to us, to fill us once again with his love, to allow us to hear the words of truth and, and those um, affirmations of just his love for us, that we are his beloved children and heirs of his promises, that we can rest under the shadow of his wing, that his love for us is so great. If we just seek first his kingdom, and seek first righteousness and obedience. Everything else that we could ever desire would be added to us. Father, I thank you that you desire to show your love to us. No matter what our circumstances or our world looks like right now, it's your desire to pour out your love on each and every one of us. So as we position ourselves this week, as we take even just 10 minutes maybe of our day to position ourselves in front of you to receive your love, I pray that you would pour your love out on these sweet people. God, my prayer is that they would know your love the way that I know your love, that they would know in the depths of your soul how much they are loved, children of God. Thank you for your unfailing loving kindness towards us. You are a good God, and we place ourselves squarely in your hands once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I know you had announcements earlier, but I just want to throw this out again that we would love for you to join us at Soul Care. And we are going to dig in on Wednesday nights 
um, to more of this kind of teaching. What's going on in our hearts? How do we reveal this stuff? And this is so important. So even if you missed the first one, shoot me an email and just just come to the next one on Wednesday night. We would love to see you there. We love you. We know we're in the middle of another lockdown, um, but we're going to continue to be with you every Sunday morning. Um, and we just love you. And um, just have a great week. And I will see you next week. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.